and welcome to the DFS Academy NFL podcast for week 15. I am your host, Matthew, aka Dark Sheep. I am joined by our founder and uh, NBA NFL writer, contributor, David Hess. Hess, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How have you been? Uh, it's, it's great. It's been a little while since we've talked on uh, one of these, so it's good to have you. And, and we are joined by uh, James McCool from Paydirt and uh, Line Movement, and I think that's all. Hello, James. How are you? Yo, yo. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's all. The Theory now. of DFS. Oh, uh, yeah, and Theory of DFS. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the book you may have heard of. But yeah, yeah, um, happy to be here, man. It's such a weird thing because, you know, the last time I was on a podcast with you, James, I was a nobody. And here I am, you know, I don't know, it is like a year later. People talking about me like a founder. Crazy. So weird. <laughs> that was a fun podcast series, though, man. I need to get that back going. Start interviewing some more people. I had I had a, a couple of pretty interesting ones lined up and I just like fell off. I don't blame you. It's how busy you are. <laughs> yeah. Week 15, we are uh, in the middle of december and uh i think the probably the more important thing to talk about is uh as we are winding down here week 15 we got a few weeks left uh teams are starting to quote unquote lose motivation or at least not have much to play for and uh there's injuries and all that kind of stuff popping up uh people being shut down i'm gonna open it up to uh James, I know you have some opinions on uh, on how people should be playing DFS and NFL in particular as the season winds down. So, yeah, at this point in the season, I kind of tell everybody that will listen that they need to start dropping their volume pretty heavily. Um, depending on how much volume you play throughout the year, you might want to drop it down to like half, maybe 30% of what you usually play just because – there is so much variance and there are so many things that can go kind of awry during these slates and during the seasons at this point. And this, I mean, this isn't just something to say for the NFL, but for the MLB, for the NBA, um, the volatility is just kind of like ramped up to 11. We, we see coaches starting to play around with snap counts. We see guys jumping in there just to see what they've got. Um, things aren't near as consistent on a team basis. And then from a DFS perspective, uh, you're facing a lot stiffer competition later on in the year. Uh, if you think about it, the, the DFS ecosystem is softest in the first half of the year where people still have money. Newcomers still have money on the site. They haven't lost all of it yet. Um, you're still facing people who are not doing this for a living, whereas the last month of the season, of the regular season for every sport, um, it's pretty much just the grinders left, right? Like it's just the guys who are doing this for a living and grinding it out all the way through the season and squeezing the orange for as much orange juice as they can get. So it's stiffer competition and there's a lot more volatility. So I, I tell people to really, really like scale back their volume of any main sport during the last month and just start focusing on the next sport. So we're lucky that we have NBA coming up here pretty soon to focus on with NFL going into its final stretch. We got a good taste of the, the volatility in uh, the game the other, not, not so much uh, the Mariota coming in for an injury that that could happen in any game, but more the uh, wide receiver situation on the chargers the other night. 
Um, David, I I know that you, I think, or I think that you have a little bit different perspective. Uh, I mean, I agree that it's a lot of tougher competition for sure. Um, you know, most people are going to start to just the next new exciting thing with the new big prize pools and stuff, you know, so the casual players kind of jump. But I think that, you know, embracing the volatility for GPPs and stuff, it's it's kind of one of my favorite things. You know, you start to get some of those preseason guys or summer league guys in NBA to where like the, the people that have been grinding and play like the niche sports and things like that can kind of come through and shine because you then have an edge over the numbers guys and the guys just watch don't really know who some of these lesser players are. So I think that, you know, if you fall into that category where, you know, you watch all the preseason games because you enjoy it, you know, you remember those players, you watch the XFL, you know, when you get these bit players that come in and stuff that it, it can be a really profitable time as well. Um, but if you, you know, you don't do that and you're, you know, you're not really good at NFL and, um, you know, you've lost a lot of money. You're really better off just skipping out and, and not playing the harder competition and going on to the next sport like Jameson. I'm sort of, I'm in the middle. Uh, I just have a very normal amount that I play each week. So, uh, it's not, I'm a very small time player. I'm not putting hundreds and hundreds of dollars down each week. So I just play what I'm comfortable with, but it, it really is important to recognize the extra volatility on top of all of it that already exists in the game. Let's roll right into the big game of the week, the Sunday night. Well, actually, I don't know why this game wasn't moved to Sunday night, but we have uh, Kansas City and New Orleans. Got tons of injury news. We uh, have the return of Drew Brees, the end of the Taysom Hill saga. No, not the end of it. The, the push-off until... Breeze retires, and then we can pick it back up. And then the sudden uh, loss of Michael Thomas on the slate. This game, you know, it's got, I think it's got the highest total on the slate. It was the highest total even before Breeze was ruled in. Uh, I don't think it's gone up too much since, but let's just start with uh, the New Orleans side because it seems pretty crazy, uh, David, that. Michael Thomas would just randomly get a uh, thumb injury, I think, a finger injury, I forget. Yeah, um, you know, after they ruled Breeze in, I actually thought that, you know, the Saints became probably the, you know, the best-looking stack on the slate. You know, with Kamara priced down, you know, we haven't seen Drew Brees, Kamara down at 7K probably since his rookie season. Michael Thomas was also priced down. There's a lot of people that were going to play one or the other, but for some reason nobody wanted to play both with Breeze. So... You know, I really thought that, you know, taking Breeze, Kamara, Michael Thomas, coming back with Kelsey, who, you know, on this slate with no Darren Waller, I think can probably outscore the second highest tight end by, you know, 10, 15 points. You know, he leads the entire league in, in yards as a tight end. So, you know, that, that little four-man stack was something that I was really interested in. But now I think that Kamara is going to be super chalk which isn't great. You know, we were looking at Kamara being maybe sub 20, 25% with all the Derrick Henry chalk this week, even though he was so cheap. And maybe that would have changed tomorrow with Breeze, but like it still would have been lower than it should have been. And I just feel like Michael Thomas being ruled out kind of kind of screws up the whole thing, honestly. Yeah, Michael Thomas being out is, I mean, it's fine. It's okay. 
it just it does make Alvin Kamara super chalk. Probably, I, I can't imagine how he's not thirty five percent owned. Uh, at you know at least in large field GBPs at seventy four hundred, where we can assume that he's going to have anywhere between nine and thirteen targets. Um, but it does it opens up some other things, right? I mean, we can focus on uh, the Alvin Kamara situation, or we can say, okay, no. Michael Thomas, who else does that open up? It opens up somebody like Manuel Sanders. It opens up Jared Cook. It opens up Traquan Smith. Um, Traquan Smith specifically, only 3,200. He was relatively highly involved um, in the offense when Taysom Hill was at quarterback, and we've seen him use in the red zone, red zone uh, in weeks past. So Traquan Smith, 3,200. I know that people are on Michael Gallup this week, so he seems like a pretty decent pivot now that there's no – um michael thomas but yeah this this situation is um is pretty not great for for the saints and for dfs overall yeah i mean i i kind of like the spot more as like an mme spot now you know because you, you can get the right combination if you dedicate you know five to eight lineups to it i think but i mean i think that deontay harris is somehow you know involved and in, in you can use him you could use jared cook you could use you know, I, I just don't feel like there's that one singular guy. So, like, it's kind of a thing where, like, I'd rather just take the Chalk Camara and, and, like you said, in some of the lineups, take Traquan Smith or Gallup. And as far as a sack, it just kind of kind of does it for me. Or it, it doesn't. You know, it's definitely now way more if you're playing this game, you want to stack Kansas City with Camara, I think, than, you know, do a, a Saints stack. And – single injury or three maxes. Yeah, we've gotten to the point where uh, the Chiefs are pretty expensive. You want to stack the three main pieces, and I feel like their uh, target tree is actually condensed this year compared to years past. Uh, so just do you think you can afford Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes in a stack, or are you going to be taking shots on other guys or just having two people in the stack? Uh, I think that you can – do it technically. I mean, I don't know how good the lineup's going to be, honestly. <laughs> but I mean, you can do anything if if you really want a Mahomes stack. You know, you can get one. Um, but I, you know, I actually think that you know, if you choose not to use Camara and instead go with Traquan Smith at the most minimum, that you know, it actually might not be too bad of a stack. Yeah, you you can do it for sure. Uh, let's see, how much does it cost? <laughs> Yeah, you okay, so you can do it. But the stack costs uh twenty four thousand seven hundred on DraftKings, nearly half of your overall salary. So can you do it? Sure. Sure, man. You can do that. Uh but then you're leaving yourself forty two hundred dollars per player remaining. Uh if you throw in Alvin Kamara there, I think that drops you down to less than four thousand dollars remaining per player. And um I would agree that you would have to use a trick one Smith. Or uh, or uh, whoever that rando that that David mentioned before, um, <laughs> Deontay Harris. Deontay Harris. Yeah, yeah. I I've actually I've used him once this year, so I should know that name. Um, but yeah, you, you're you're gonna have to use one of those cheaper guys because forty two hundred bucks remaining without a single running back taken yet. That's that's not great, Bob. All right. So this this game actually seems to be pretty straightforward. Then, then moving on, we have a couple other. Pretty similar totals in, and one being the uh, the big uh, 
I was gonna say the elephant in the room, but that might be insulting to Derrick Henry. I'm not sure. But the uh, the the Tennessee Detroit game, uh, where uh, Derrick Henry was probably gonna be 25, 30% owned after smashing and having a pretty another cake matchup here against Detroit and their run defense. David, I guess uh, now with the Kamara increase, do you think that takes away from Derrick Henry or does that come from other places? You know, he might come down a little bit, but I don't think it's going to change a lot. I think that it, it's probably going to come from somewhere else. I'm not sure where. I mean, I haven't really built – I haven't really messed around with a lot of building this week yet. Um, but with the monster game he had and the whole Derrick Henry in December narrative, I just – I don't see people getting away from it, even though I think they should. I think that not playing Derrick Henry and playing, you know, Dalvin Cook – I think is honestly good in GPPs this week. I'm 100% okay with that. So, you know, maybe some of that ownership comes down. And if it does, you know, that would sway my opinion. But, it, you know, at 9.5K, you know, 30% owned. And I'd rather play Cook and Kamara. And I know, uh, James, I read your article online movement uh, that you had Derrick Henry as a fade. Does that change at all with this news for you? No, I still because I agree with David that he's probably still going to be very highly owned. I don't think that people are necessarily going to uh, get off of him, even with the Alvin Kamara news. Um, I, my my thing here is paying for the most expensive player on the slate at some of the highest ownership on the slate. I think is typically pretty bad process, um, and the the main reason for that is because it puts you into a very specific roster construction that matches up with as much of the field as has Derrick Henry, right? So if you end up taking the most popular player on the slate, it doesn't matter if it's Derrick Henry or if it's, you know, somebody else in some other sport. If you take the most expensive player on that slate, that is also going to be the highest owned player on that slate. Um, you are putting yourself in a position where you have a similar amount of money remaining for the rest of your players. If you start taking other players that are relatively popular as well, say Leonard Fournette, like Derek Henry and Leonard Fournette as a combination would be exceptionally popular this week because it's the easiest way to fit Derek Henry. So you put yourself in a position to where you're going down the same build path and you're not getting very many relative points over the rest of the field who also took Derek Henry. Um, and that, I just think that that's bad process. So I, I think that even with the Alvin Kamara news, he's still going to be highly owned. Um, and I, frankly, I'd rather have Alvin Kamara. Uh, like if, if it's a straight up between Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara and they're both 35% owned, then give me Alvin Kamara, who's 2K less, right? Yep. And uh, you also uh, talked about leveraging, and we've done this you know, the past couple of weeks that Derrick Henry's been popular leveraging off that ownership by uh, uh, using the pass game of Tennessee. Yeah, I'm actually pretty big. Yeah. Uh, you can go ahead, James. No, yeah, I was just going to mention that Tennessee passes 69% of the time in the red zone anyway. They're they're implied for 2.29 passing touchdowns and just 1.03 rushing touchdowns. So, yeah, Derrick Henry probably gets that one touchdown, but there's there's a lot of value in, in the passing game as well. Yeah, I'm pretty big on the passing game this week. Um, but as far as, you know, leveraging Derrick Henry, I think that something that, you know, James kind of went over how it 
it pigeons you into a roster build. So something that I was kind of considering this week, I haven't really looked into it, is just running two cheaper running backs and paying up for receivers and having an entirely different build than everybody else. I mean, everybody trying to stick in, you know, Derrick Henry and now Alvin Kamara. Um, you know, I, I think that you could get away with something like, you know, Fournette and McKissick or, um, I don't know, Kenyon Drake, you know, players like that. And then, you know, pay up for, you know, maybe the Tennessee passing game with A.J. Brown, um, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley with no Julio Jones, kind of getting that um, unique roster build instead of, you know, where everyone else is going to go with Kamara and, and Derek Henry. That's why we were talking leverage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, love that. James, I would I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that was a nice uh, percentage of red zone passing work. Yeah, man, sex jokes uh-huh. for sure. We, the listeners, you know, they're just hanging. They were waiting for that. No, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like you, uh, but at least you didn't leave that one hanging for nine minutes. <laughs> um, the other side of that game, Detroit, uh, we don't actually know if Stafford's going to play yet, I don't believe. Um, does, does, does that steer you away from the game at all? If Matt Stafford doesn't play and it's not competitive? Yeah. I mean, that, that's honestly what would scare me the most about Derrick Henry this week is if, you know, Tennessee gets out, you know, 21-3, 28-3, and then just, you know, runs it with Derrick Henry for two quarters, three quarters, you know, whatever. Um, and that's kind of my downside currently with, you know, playing the Tennessee passing games, I was kind of looking through and seeing what I would want to play on the Detroit side. And, I mean, I don't love really any of it. I guess you could play Hawkinson, but he's kind of getting expensive. Swift is almost 7K. I mean, like, I just feel like the pieces are expensive for having a backup quarterback to where, you know, nothing kind of just fits in there really nicely where I feel great about it. The best option here is going to be Hawkinson coming back against him, um, just simply because it takes up premium position. Um, but if, if you really want to get, you know, if you really want to leverage the field, if you really want to party then what you're doing is you're stacking Detroit and then you're, you know, filling in the rest of your lineup with just hella chalk. Like you, you stack Detroit and then you fill in with Alvin Kamara, Jonathan Taylor and Leonard Fournette, uh, and whatever chalky wide receivers you can find around it. Uh, because the, the best way that Derrick Henry doesn't end up just getting 35 carries in this game is if Detroit ends up getting a lead and, and, you know, being able to make it competitive that way. Um, that being said, I think that's a very, very low probability outcome. Um, but that's the best way to leverage it. It, it I, I mostly agree with David that it should just be Tennessee plus Hawkinson. If you're going to be stacking this game. Um, but if you really want to get wild in the million maker, you stack Detroit. It doesn't matter who's starting quarterback. Yep. Okay. You, since you mentioned Jonathan Taylor, I've, I noticed there's three guys, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, and Cam Akers, that uh, basically for most of the season have part of have been part of a committee. And uh, at this point, after maybe one or two games where they tend to be the or they have tended to be the lead back, everybody is sort of just assuming that they are. What, do you have any thoughts on like? those three guys in those committee sort of situations that are maybe standing out more to people and having an assumed role? Just in general, I think the prices are kind of wild. I mean, like, you know, Jonathan Taylor, all of a sudden at 7.2K, 
Cam Akers all of a sudden at 6.6, you know, up there with like David Montgomery and James Robinson and, you know, some of these bell cow backs that we have, you know, they had one good week that, you know, they did look really good. You know, Jonathan Taylor looked great last week, but I mean, 7.2K for Jonathan Taylor, 7.4K for Alvin Kamara. That's easy. And even Chris Carson, 6.8K, like there's just, they've, they've now priced them into a spot that they have to be the bell cow backs. And if it, if it regresses even just a little bit, then it puts you at a really bad disadvantage right away. So, I mean, like the way that they price those players to me outside of JK Dobbins, I mean, JK Dobbins at 5.9 K is, is playable. And, you know, if he gets, you know, 60, 70% of the carries, even if he regresses a little bit, that, that's a playable spot. But I mean, I think that the way they priced up Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor just makes it a spot where you really can't play them this week. I do want to say that I probably believe in Cam Akers being like the guy um, after, you know, doing what he did last week. I think the team is pretty confident in him, but uh, you're right that it is pretty much just an assumption that these guys now have the lead of their respective backfields. Um, All three of them are in situations where there are other backs that have been rotated in and out, depending on game situations. Um, and there, there, I mean, there's, of course, situations where these guys can uh, not be the lead backs. Um, Jonathan Taylor, especially. I think Jonathan Taylor is probably the most volatile of the three. Um, it's just one of those situations where I, I prefer to look at, at fantasy points per touch for things like this um, so that we know, you know exactly how many touches we actually need for them to be worthwhile. The one that is probably the worst for me is Cam Akers. Um, even in these games where he had more than 20 opportunities, uh, his fantasy points per touch is, is not good. Like his running average is below one and well below one. Outside of two games, um, week 11 and week 12, where he was at 1.48 and 1.6 fantasy points per touch respectively, um, every single week outside of those two have been under 0.75. So I think that the... Uh, the efficiency for Cam Akers is really, really bad, and he would be the one that I would be the most worried about when it comes to even having if even if he has twenty touches, you know, we're we're still only expecting somewhere around sixteen fantasy points, and that's not really what you want. Jonathan Taylor, on the other hand, is over one fantasy point per touch. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, I believe, is over one fantasy point per touch as well. So those guys, um, I think that you probably have a little bit better of a chance. Um, but still, like J.K. Dobbins is, is not even getting all of the rushing attempts on his team. He's still 15 or less fantasy points or 15 or less touches in every single game. So the only one that I am okay with, and I wrote about him at line movement, is Jonathan Taylor. And even that's a little bit of a stretch, assuming that he's going to get the bell cow roll. Yeah, I mean, like it's like I said, for me, like Jonathan Taylor is something I played a lot of last week. But like, I just don't know how you would possibly talk yourself into Jonathan Taylor at 7.2K when Kamara is 7.4K. Yeah, so like, so like, just the way that they price these players, it makes me feel like, you know, it's not worth the gamble. If I was going to do that, I'd rather play Edwards Hilaire, who, you know, he got the the most of his touches last week, the same assumption, but he stayed at 5.8K. So like, if to me, if you're going to gamble on a player like that, you do it with Edwards Hilaire. You know, you maybe do it with J.K. Dobbins. You don't do it with a 6.8K or 7.2K running back that, you know, takes up Chris Carson or Alvin Kamara or, I don't know, James Robinson's right there who gets like, I think like literally like 99% of Jacksonville's rush attempts. I mean, it's just like, 
they price them up as, as bell cows when we don't know that they're bell cows, and that makes me uncomfortable. Since we're on running back, um, let's let's hit up the the Tampa Bay Leonard Fournette situation. Ronald Jones is out. Uh, Leonard Fournette on DraftKings is four point five k. James, uh, he he feels like a okay chalk at that price. Yeah, price sucks, dude. <laughs> uh, just like frankly, that price sucks. DraftKings has actually been pretty good about pricing up backups this year, um, and they just you know that this is the second time this year I think specifically that we've had a situation like this uh, arise. I, I will say that Lashawn McCoy is going to be involved. Um, we we have seen Lashawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn both kind of take over some responsibilities when one of Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones is not playing. So I think that the assumption that you have to make is that Leonard Fournette is going to likely get the vast majority of the rushing attempts, uh, probably somewhere between 14 and 18 rushing attempts. Um, and then maybe seed, seed the receiving work to LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn. But that's kind of like the risk that you're taking here is Leonard Fournette is the receiving back when Ronald Jones is healthy. So I, I don't think that it's insane to think that he gets 14 to 18 rushing attempts and four to six targets in this game. Uh, and he's 4,500. So it this, that's a really, really shitty fade. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, Fournette is the obvious running back here. I mean, you know, like we said earlier, I would imagine that Leonard Fournette and Derrick Henry makes up I don't know, 40% of the lineups. Um, Like he said, um, Leonard Fournette's always been kind of a better than expected pass catcher, I I think. I mean, like he he had a ton of targets last year. And I mean, he's not LaShawn McCoy in his prime or James White or Naheem Hines or anybody, but like he's doable. And he, we've seen him in that role. And at 4.5K, I don't see how you could get around it. I mean, like if, if you're not playing Fournette, you're playing somebody like Gallup who could literally get you zero points. So, like, I just at, – at almost minimum, I, I don't see how you get away from it. If you play him without a uh, paying for an expensive uh, running back, similar to what you said, David, if you don't use that salary relief to pay for an expensive running back, it feels like you might be a little bit different in your uh, Leonard Fournette lineup just naturally. Um, like, even doing the uh, the secondary stack with – Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley on the other side and that being your payup option. Yeah. I mean, I actually really like the idea of playing Leonard Fournette and JD McKissick together. You know, McKissick obviously isn't as great with uh, Dwayne Haskins instead of Alex Smith, but you know, the targets have been there. Um, he, he's getting their attempts. He's 5.7 K. You know, if you don't like JD McKissick, Kenyon Drake's right there and Kenyon Drake's been getting a lot of touches. I, I really think that playing, uh, two of these sub 6k running backs and, you know, going with Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins, maybe Travis Kelsey, getting some pieces from Kansas city. That feels like the best um, different way to go. And GPPs, if you're only making a couple lineups. The nuts combo is uh, Leonard Fournette and Jeff Wilson, Jr. 5,100 for Jeff Wilson. You like Jeff Wilson more than McKissick? So, Oh yeah, dude. McKissick sucks. He's he's really bad chalk. Like every. But he's not chalk now. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I understand that. But he's 5,900. I like, I don't want to pay 5,900 for JD McKissick. I didn't even want to pay 4,800 for JD McKissick. I played Peyton Barber instead. So, like, Jeff Wilson Jr. at 5,100 or even Peyton Barber at 4,400. Like, I'd rather have those guys than JD McKissick, especially because Dwayne Haskins is going to be back. This isn't Alex Smith. Yeah, I mind. mean, that's, that's kind of what I was saying. Like, you know, with Haskins, it scares me a little bit. Like, I really, really liked McLaurin this week. But, like, I know he's had some good games with Haskins, but I don't know. I just would have liked it so much better if Alex Smith would have played. I've seen multiple people, you know, on the Twitterverse and various places making the claims that Washington is going to upset Seattle here. I actually think with <laughs> Alex Smith it was possible, but with Haskins, I'm, I'm really not feeling it. I'm not going to lie. Hoskins wasn't bad. At no, but he's year, man. he like he was he was a bit unlucky. But I I mean this this is not me endorsing Washington over Seattle. What I am saying is that I think that Haskins like people give up on quarterbacks so fast, and, and that's like that's a conversation that we can have on another podcast that is not DFS related. But people give up on quarterbacks after like three games, and it's no, silly. I like I'm a Washington fan, and I like Haskins, but I don't think that he's ready, and I don't think he's ready for Seattle. I don't think that he's going to be able to keep up with the points that they're going to play on. The defense is going to get tired after like five or six three and outs in a row. It's just, it's not the game for him to come back. But I think that, you know, with Alex Smith and being able to move the chain steadily, and I think that that might have actually been a really underrated spot where I would have liked to stack Seattle against, you know, defense matters and come back with McLaurin. And I think that would have been a really nice, um, you know, GPP stack. But with Haskins, I just don't know that I love it as much for which, which you end up paying for everybody. Speaking of uh, quarterbacks that everybody's given up on, Russell Wilson there. I mean, he, him and his uh, receivers are still priced up from when they were uh, dominating everybody, and now they're going up against a perceived good defense. Do you have any interest in that stack in either of you? Um, you know, for me, it's, it's that it seems like Metcalf and Lockett never do well at the same time. And that's one of those ones where you're trying to guess the secondary receiver that, you know, catches two touchdowns or the 70 yard touchdown or whatever. Um, I have, you know, said before that when I'm stacking Seattle, I really like to do Russell Wilson, Chris Carson, and whoever the cheapest one is, because for some reason, even though he's not a receiving back, uh, Chris Carson ceiling games actually go hand in hand with a lot of Russell Wilson ceiling games. I think from like last year it was like 62%. Um, I, I don't have this year's stats, so like don't you know don't quote me on that. But um, I do know that last year it was something that happened really frequently, and it was something that I was taking advantage of early on. So if I was going to stack Seattle, I I think that it would be whichever your favorite receiver is, Chris Carson and Russell Wilson, with probably Terry McLaurin on the other side. I mean, because you know Seattle still does have the worst passing defense by far. And even though Haskins isn't, you know, as good as Alex Smith, I mean, we've seen McLaurin have some pretty big games with Haskins over the last two years, and it might actually keep McLaurin's ownership down in, in what should be a smash spot. So I actually – I don't hate it as far as uh, pay-up stack. I think I would rather stack Washington than hmm. stack Seattle. Uh, just because – and I talked about this in, in the breakdown last week with um, – with the Packers situation with uh, Devonte Adams, where the main reason why you want to stack green Bay is not for Aaron Rodgers, It's for Devonte Adams. And to me, the main reason why I would want to stack Seattle is for DK Metcalf and, and not Russell Wilson. So it also goes with, if Seattle is actually going to be putting up passing points here, 
Um, the much more likely situation for that to happen is if they're in a situation where they have to be passing a competitive game with Washington holding a lead. Um, and I think that with the pricing that's involved with Washington, where you go Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin, and Logan Thomas, uh, being significantly cheaper than the combination of Russell Wilson, Chris Carson, and DK Metcalf, um, I think that it would just make more sense thematically for me to stack Washington and bring it back with DK Metcalf. But that being said, um, I, I mean, I of course don't mind a Seattle stack. I, I think that DK Metcalf is probably one of the highest upside wide receivers in the league right now. And I don't even know who Tyler Lockett is anymore. I don't care about him <laughs> at all. Um, just like, frankly, I, I just don't DK Metcalf is so much better. Um, I, I, it's an interesting spot. It's, it's all on Haskins though. If Haskins can perform, this game can be good. Um, and that's kind of another reason why I want Washington. Yeah, uh, I actually don't hate Washington here. Like I said, I like him a lot more with Alex Smith. But, you know, those millionaire GPP stacks you're talking about with Detroit, I don't think that Washington's ownership outside of McLaren is going to be really much higher. Um, so, like, that's that's not a spot that I hate um, as far as, like, a GPP stack. The, just the weirdest thing for me is, like, as we've been sitting here, I've been going over, like, you know, obviously I talked about how I wanted to play two cheaper running backs and pay up, but you know, playing Fournette kind of ruins the Tampa stack. I mean, I don't overly want to play Fournette with with Brady and Evans, but I want Fournette in the lineup. I just – I can't seem to feel like a stack really fits in with that strategy that feels like it's, um, you know, capable of, of winning anything. I think part of the reason for that this week to me is uh, is the – the games that are projected to be close games don't really have high totals. So it's, it's hard to get really invested in a game outside of the KC and New Orleans. At least I've found that this week. I haven't really been invested. Oh, I really want to get in on that game because the close ones aren't really high totals. Um, I'm possibly thinking uh, the Houston Indian, uh, Houston Colts game, maybe, or, um, I don't hate the Arizona Philly game. I just don't know if you stack Arizona, who'd really come back with Philly. I don't think we've seen enough of Jalen Hurts for me to feel comfortable with any of them. I mean, I guess there's, uh, you know, Jalen Rager, but like Alshon Jeffrey had one target. I think Greg Ward had like four. Rieger had like four. Um, I, I guess you could play Miles Sanders, but like then you don't have the two cheap running backs. It, it's just kind of like that weird spot where you know with a new quarterback you really don't feel like there's anything there that's for sure so like that feels like an mme spot but like if you're only building three lineups i don't know that that's something i'd want to do either and it's just kind of it's kind of like that weird kind of slate where like you know after michael thomas got ruled out there's nothing that i really love doing right now james is there another game that's really jumping out to you about that you want to stay yeah, so this this slate is mostly just about leverage for me because there aren't really any great games, I don't think. I, I can agree with that. Um, I really like the Tampa Bay Atlanta game for stacking. Um, I, I think that one kind of like, especially with how popular Leonard Fournette is going to be, people are going to glance over Tampa Bay against freaking Atlanta. And if there's a spot that Tom Brady is just like licking his lips to attack, um, it's probably Atlanta. Um, 
and people have been wanting to attack Atlanta all year until you know that until Atlanta is up against a team like Tampa Bay, who people don't like to stack for whatever reason. Um, and that's probably the team that I am most excited to stack because of how popular I think Leonard Fournette will be. Um, outside of that, Tennessee, Detroit, again, Tennessee, I like the passing game, taking advantage of the Derrick Henry ownership. I guess you could also stack Indianapolis for that same reason, David, um, where you're getting away from the Jonathan Taylor, uh, popularity and, and stacking up that game, or you stack up the other side, stack up Houston and take Jonathan Taylor kind of out of the game. So they're not running the, running the ball from behind. I, I think that this slate is significantly more about leveraging people's expectations than it is attacking like really, really good overall games. Um, oh, and by the way, Baltimore is on this slate and nobody's going to play. <laughs> yeah. I, I've looked at Baltimore a couple of times. Uh, my thing with Baltimore is that, you know, when I play Lamar Jackson, I want to play Mark Andrews. I think Marquise Brown is, you know, essentially a shadow, you know, he really doesn't ever do much. He drops like four passes a game or whatever. So like, I, I want to play Mark Andrews, but I also really want to fit in Travis Kelsey if I'm playing two cheaper running backs. So like, that's kind of the thing with Baltimore for me. I think for the most part, I am falling on the Tampa Bay Atlanta game and Houston. I, I keep coming back to Houston, you know, with Brandon cooks and uh, Keek or Kiki uh, Chad Hansen's been okay, and they're all, like, pretty cheap. I I just kind of feel like, you know, that's kind of a game where if you were not playing two cheaper running backs, maybe going, like, Kamara and um, somebody mid-range, I guess Kamara and Fournette instead, that you could also get a mini-in of maybe Mike Evans and Calvin Ridley or, you know, Calvin Ridley and Leonard Fournette. So, like, that's kind of a game that I feel like is really fitting. But I also kind of really like the Atlanta side from the Atlanta-Tampa Bay game. I know that Matt Ryan hasn't been, you know, great recently. But with Julio Jones out, it's a really um, narrow target tree. I mean, there's there's Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst, and that's really it. So, I, I think it's kind of interesting to play, you know, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, and then come back with, you know, your favorite receiver on the other side, which mine's personally Mike Evans. I think that, you know, he's gotten way too much red zone work for, you know, in a great matchup to be as um, barely talked about this week as he has been. One of the other high team totals is the Rams going against the Jets, but it seems like they're just drawing a ton of chalk in the passing game and the running game. So it's sort of hard to make that stack and feel confident in in it. My thing with the Jets is, like, you know, now even Crowder's terrible. So, like, everybody there is terrible, and I don't want to play any of them. So, like, if you're playing that game, I feel like you're just not playing any Jets and you're just playing all Rams, which I don't really like to do in a large field contest. Yeah, I I don't like uh, stacking against the Jets very often. So, But, I mean, I I don't know. I, I think that if you do it that way, you, you are likely going to take uh, – like Jared Goff and Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. I don't think that you double stack. I think that you just take one or maybe take two. I don't know. 17-point favorite, that's that's really, really hard to reconcile. Um, and that's one of the reasons why Cam Akers is so popular is because a 17-point favorite against New York Jets, like that's kind of a process play. Um, and it just makes a lot of sense to use Cam Akers instead of stacking the Rams there. Uh especially because the Rams like to run the ball in the red zone. They they're implied for more rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns this week. So 
that's yeah, and they're implied for thirty point two five. I just would probably rather play Acres than any of the stack because I don't want to bring it back to the New York Jets. Yep, that's that's about how I feel there. What about one? I have one more game that I'm interested in hearing anybody's take on, uh, and that's the Chicago Minnesota game. I feel like uh, both of these teams have been very popular plays the last few weeks uh, between David Montgomery on the Chicago side and. You know, Cook, uh, he hasn't been super popular, but, uh, you know, they've been scoring a lot of points and the passing game has been getting looks uh, by people. But uh, now that they're playing each other and no one wants to play either side. And then it's it's not like Minnesota has a great defense and Chicago's has probably an okay defense. Uh, do you guys have any insight on what you want to do with this game? I like the Minnesota side. I like Kirk Cousins, Thielen, and Justin Jefferson. I like them every week. I mean, they're just kind of expensive. I mean, two 7K receivers, it's hard. I mean, the you know the target tree is really condensed there. They can both go off at the same time. We've seen it plenty of times. Um, but to get the best pieces of this game, you're talking, you know, Kirk Cousins, and then Allen Robinson, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen, who are all, you know, 7.1, 7.3, 7.4K. So, like, for, to get a game that um, – you know, isn't like the the best game of the week and to have to pay that kind of prices, it feels like it really kind of puts you in a bad spot. But that might be, you know, what the lineup that you could go to, like we were talking earlier with Leonard Fournette and J.D. McKissick or Jeffrey Wilson or whichever other cheap running back you want. And that might be the game that, you know, fits within what we've been talking about throughout the entire podcast. I would rather just have a secondary stack of Justin Jefferson and Allen Robinson if I'm like being honest about that one. Um, I, I don't trust that Mitch Trubisky is good. Shouldn't. Uh, I'll never trust that because he's <laughs> yeah because he's not. Frankly, yeah. David Montgomery is seven K now, uh, and he's seven K thanks entirely to an eighty yard run on the first play of last week, which tilted me into nobody's business. Um, I just I don't know. I I don't like any game that involves the Bears because they're just constantly teetering on the edge of mediocrity. Uh, and it just doesn't make for a good game environment. Now, yeah, sure, if you want to go Allen Robinson, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, any of those guys, it makes sense. It's fine. But I'd rather just have a secondary stack and not depend on either one of Trubisky or Kirk Cousins to, to be doing their thing, especially because Minnesota, like, if I wanted to stack them, I would want them to be passing for touchdowns, and they don't like to do that. In the red zone, they only pass 52% of the time. Um so when you have Dalvin Cook, of course, you'd rather use him in the red zone. And it just doesn't make for a good stack in my eyes. But David's right that if you have the money for it, that doing something like that would be very, very different. Just make sure um, that you Kirk surround Kirk Cousins does have uh, three touchdown passes in four of the six of his last games, though. I mean, so, like, the ceiling is there. I mean, I don't love Kirk Cousins. As I said, I was a, I'm a Washington fan. Watching Kirk Cousins for a couple of years was dreadful. I was really happy to see him leave. Um, but like the ceiling's there, you know, he's had 27, 30, 26. He's had a couple of three touchdown games. I actually, you know, really don't hate, uh, stacking that game with your two cheap running backs and, um, you know, using that as, I guess, like the, the blueprint for the contrarian bill that I've spoken of the entire podcast. Sure. All right. Uh, then, uh, David, any other last player or, or situation you want to talk about this week? 
Not that I can think of. Like I said, besides um, Mike Evans, I, I really think that Terry McLaurin and Mike Evans are uh, two of the most projected, like, under-owned players on the slate and two of the players that, you know, whether it's secondary stacks or one-offs that I want exposure to this week. James, any last uh, thing that you wanted to mention? Yeah, uh, this is this is a pretty good week to practice some hedging. Uh, the, there are a lot of situations where even if you only build a couple lineups, you know, I'll build three lineups this week, and I think that in two of them I'll likely have Leonard Fournette, and in one of them it'll be a Tampa Bay stack. You know, maybe one of them will be a Tennessee stack with the other two having Derrick Henry. Um, just be thoughtful about the way that you build out your exposures and your percentages to these very, very highly owned players. And um, if you want to take stance and go ahead and do that, but um, th- this is a really, really good week to leverage some very highly owned players that maybe um, could pay off very well in the other direction. Uh, well, we are the DFS Academy. You can check us out at thedfsacademy.com. Uh, you have, uh, we have, $10 a month memberships. You get access to multiple GPP articles uh, constructed basically for each slate uh, by Greg and Mitch. Uh, you also have uh, a matchups column written by Noah. You have David uh, putting together a player pool. Um, then you get access to the Discord to come chat with all of us. Um, we are also rolling into the MPA coverage. David, uh, I actually don't know. Do you know what is the? Do you have what is the plan for? Um, NBA? Currently, we are planning on a similar game theory breakdown by Greg for daily uh, NBA. You know, like he's been doing for the NFL, where he kind of goes over what's expected to be chalk, where he can gain leverage, things like that. Um, Greg did just win thirty thousand dollars. This was like my little you know shout out to Greg. Also. Congrats, James. I, you know, I don't know if you ever got, if I got a chance to tell you. Um, and then I'm going to be doing a player pool while talking a little bit about roster construction and, and things like that. So I think we're taking really more of a strategy-based uh, game theory roster construction um, kind of idea more than you know going with who you should play on a given day for NBA this year. Uh, and. Highlight my role in the NBA is I will be in the Discord asking the dumb questions that you probably also have. I'm sure I'll also get you to host a couple podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Excellent. All right. Uh, And we do have continuing CSGO coverage also. Uh, So come check it out. Uh, $3 a month uh, or $3 a week if you want to just try it out and see what it's all about. Uh, All right. So you can also follow us on Twitter at the DFS Academy. Uh, David, uh, where can people find you? Uh, it says Hess DFS. Nice and simple. All right. And James, where can everybody find all your awesome work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at paydirt underscore DFS. You can find all of my work over at paydirt.ghost.io. I am putting together some fun new little web apps for NBA right now and getting ready to launch back up into uh, League of Legends starting up in the beginning of January. So pretty excited about that. And um, you can find my master course that I did on game theory at theoryofdfs.com. Um, but yeah, that's, that's I, where I also want to say that you now. do some awesome streams. You know, I, right now, NFL, you're doing 
two a week, uh, one sort of a breakdown for the week upcoming, and then you do a look back stream. So check it, check them out also on Twitch uh, and YouTube. I'll let you insert those channel names now too. Uh, Twitch is multicam underscore PD. And uh, honestly, I don't even remember my YouTube name right now because <laughs> I never plug it, but I plug it plenty when I'm on Twitter. Excellent. So uh, and also uh, Greg and I have been doing Sunday morning streams on our YouTube, which uh, I also don't remember our YouTube. I think it's just the DFS Academy. Excellent. Uh, all right. So thank you both guys for joining me. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, have a good week. <laughs>